It's the Breakcast, Breakcast, the PopBreak.com Breakcast, Breakcast, listen to the show Because you're in for the PopBreak.com Breakcast, Breakcast, oh Hello there, and welcome to the Anniversary Brothers Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the anniversary of your favorite TV shows and films. And today we are here for a very special episode. It's actually our uh, and third extra episode for the month. So we felt we had to come back for some more, and it's because it's a, a movie that's pretty, pretty near and dear to me, I'd say. But today we are going to be talking about Captain America, the first Avenger, which is celebrating its 10th anniversary this year. So I am one of your hosts, Josh Sarnecki, and I am joined by the Bucky to my Captain America, Aaron. Aaron, say hi. Hi. I I, I can live with that being the Bucky. I, I mean, especially the Bucky in like the movies and not the little kid Bucky running around in tights in the comic books. Yeah. Yeah, the, the movie Bucky is a bit of an upgrade. And also, you know, you'll get a metal arm, so that's something to look forward to. Right, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so we're here to talk about Captain America, the first Avenger, which, uh, as I mentioned, this is our third podcast for the month. So um, because I have been begging Aaron for months and months uh, to talk about a Marvel movie, and we finally had one that was approaching its or that reached its 10 year anniversary. He uh, relented and said we could do this. So, Aaron, thank you for the opportunity. And also thank you to uh, our podcast editor, Alex, for also giving us this chance. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I usually like doing movies since I'm the one who sets usually sets this stuff up. I usually like doing movies that are a little bit older than 10 years. Usually we have, we've done ones that are like five years. Um, but as I've tried to set things up, it's usually around 15 years is the, the typical we did do a 10 years for the green Hornet earlier, uh, this year. Uh, that's just cause there was nothing in January, but, um, right. also for this, I just, um, we did have Thor we could have done um, this year, but I just feel like, um, like you said, this, this movie is just a little more special to you. I, and I just, um, even after watching it, I feel like there's more to talk about. Um, at least for me, I mean, there, there are plenty of ways I, I, I just watched the, the season finale of Loki. So if we had, I'm not sure I Thor, I think Ari would have come out. So we wouldn't be talking about how it relates to Loki. So, yeah. Yeah. So we'll try to keep this uh, free of any Loki spoilers for people who have not watched the season finale of that show. Um, but yeah, we we typically try to keep the, the anniversaries at least 10 years old. So uh, since the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, just started in 2008, uh, that doesn't give us a lot of room for uh retrospective so this is one of the few we could do but yeah i 
I I am a, a Thor defender. I I, I like Kenneth Branagh. Oh no, I don't dis job. I don't dislike Thor. I just like I also like talking about movies occasionally that I feel like fewer people are going to talk about. Um, yeah. Like the Hunchback of Notre Dame was definitely a one that uh, there were some people talking about it when it hit its twenty fifth on Twitter, but mm. uh, wasn't like super acknowledged. Ex- Besides, like a couple of like, like uh, promotional artwork and stuff that was shared from Disney's uh, animation Twitter, so yeah. it, it was a pretty like quiet one. Yeah, but obviously, when you're talking about Marvel movies, uh, there's rarely anything quiet about them. They definitely garner a lot of attention, and uh, I will say though, of the 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 twenty plus movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I feel like the first Captain America movie is one of the least talked about. Oh no, I, I, I and we'll get into it. Um, so this this movie, you know, sets up Captain America, but it's very much um, kind of like a Jason Bourne situation where that the first Bourne Identity movie was directed by um, a dire- one director, and then. The next two were directed by somebody else, uh, Paul Greengrass. And really, Paul Greengrass's style is what defined the the trilogy for most people, even though he didn't direct the first movie. And it's kind of the same way for Captain America. Right. That's a good point, because most of Captain America movies and, and to an extent, any movie he's he's featured in in the, the Marvel Cinema Universe, other than the uh the first two vendors movies he's associated with the russo brothers um who, who directed the winter soldier and civil war as well as the last two avengers movies so there is this kind of creative consistency with the character except in this first movie because this one was directed by joe johnston um even though it still has the same writers uh christopher marcus and stephen mcfeely um wrote all the captain america movies as well as the um, the last two Avengers movies. So they have that consistency, that continuity there, but the direction, uh, which I'm sure we'll get into, uh, is different for this. And I think part of that has to do with the change that took place after this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before we get anything else, um, so this movie came out in 2011. It came out in on July 22nd. So we are, um, recording this uh, a few days before that anniversary comes up. And it was directed by Joe Johnson, um, previously known for some pretty uh, big effects-driven movies, um, especially Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Jumanji, and Jurassic Park 3. Um, although the reason he really got this job is because of his work on the Rocketeer from 1991, which I'm sure we'll we'll get into in a little bit. But Aaron, before we go into anything else on this, um, can you please tell me what your your relationship was with the film? Like, when did you first see Captain America: The First Avenger? Yeah, I first saw it um, when I was in uh, freshman year. Actually, now I don't. I guess it was probably sophomore year since it came out in July. So sophomore year of college, um, I've mentioned before that uh, where I went to college, they would often show uh, 
pretty recently released uh, movies kind of before they got the home video. They must have had some sort of program with the studios. Mm. Uh, So uh, I guess I'm probably I probably saw this movie early fall 2011. Um, And. That was the last time that I had seen it all the way through. I had definitely seen portions of it on TV, but I hadn't watched it start to finish um, since then. Okay. <laughs> then we then we have pretty different uh, experiences with this movie. Then, um, although I will say, you and this is. I think fairly uncommon, I'd say, of our uh, experiences with Marvel movies. You watched this before I did, because I didn't watch this movie until, oh my goodness, I, I'm not even sure what year it was, but I didn't watch it until it was on TV on probably FX. Um, so I had you know a bunch of commercials interspersed and everything. Not FX the, has the movies. <laughs> you know, that's what they tell you. I'm not sure if I believe it yet, but... Uh, yeah, that's where I watched it originally. So not the, the ideal way of watching it. Um, but, and I only watched it after I think having seen the, the first Avengers movie. And I think I also didn't see this until after seeing, um, the second Captain America movie, uh, the winter soldier. So I very much watched these out of order. Um, but since then, I've I've watched it um, many many times. Uh, I I'm probably around half a dozen at this point. I've I've watched it a good amount, uh, but it definitely uh, took a bit of a unnatural uh, winding road to get there. Um, Aaron, before we get into our initial thoughts, um, could you give us a brief plot summary? Uh, yeah, so uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, is set during the uh, 1940s, during World War II. Uh, Captain America is a volunteer in the U.S. Army where uh, they're working on this new uh, super soldier serum. Um, kind of the, the big kind of like visual trick of this movie is how he turns from a scrawny guy into this buff soldier thanks to the 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 serum uh and his objective is to defeat red skull uh who is this uh german officer who uh kind of goes rogue and like has plans of world domination uh using this i don't know they even use the term tazarek which pops up in the avengers movie but he has this old relic uh, that has supernatural powers that he's trying to take over the world using its power. And uh, yeah, basically it's just sort of like all about Captain America's, you know, humble beginnings to his rise as, you know, a hero and him fighting the Red Skull, trying to prevent him from taking over the world. And that's kind of it. Yeah, no, that, that sums it up beautifully. Um, yeah, I just want to make sure we, we all were on the same page before we got into our initial thoughts. So going to that, Aaron, when you first watched this, um, that, that fall of your sophomore year, how do you remember liking it? 
Uh, I remember thinking it was all right. Um, I thought it was kind of goofy. Um, I think there was just some certain segments of it. Uh, particularly, I think this the when they got to the uh, second act, and there's a lot of montage stuff that felt very much like Saturday morning cartoons. It's like, oh, they blow up the factory, and Red Skull drives up, and he's like, ah, oh, Captain America, I'll get you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I thought. It was all right, but it definitely didn't stick with me. Um, but that being said, they all, they would always uh, raffle off the posters uh, for the movies uh, at these screenings. And I would love to have that poster, the poster for Pap in America. The fir- if we're talking about the actual because there's a there's a teaser one was just him. But the one that has all the characters is probably one of the best posters for any Marvel movie. Oh yeah, I've got that pull up right now. It's it's gorgeous. You have um, Captain America standing in the forefront, and you have this explosion behind him. And in the explosion, you have a Bucky and the Howling Commandos. Um, you've got uh, Haley Atwell's Peggy Carter, and in the background, you've got the American flag, um, or like kind of like the a faded uh, kind of. I don't know, distressed American flag. And then you've got red skull leering in the background. It's, it's a, it's a beautiful poster. Yeah, no, there were even Marvel has made, not all their posters are always so good, but definitely um, that poster would have been one I wanted when they show Thor, the dark world, even though that's not, this is a much better movie than that is. I like, really like that poster. Same with Iron Man three, which the Iron Man three and Thor posters are like, almost identical actually <laughs> but um yeah uh that that so yeah uh that was my initial taking and not like disliking it but kind of been like eh, it could have been better yeah and that's that's fair and somewhat surprisingly i had similar feelings about it when i first saw it um which for people who know me and uh who who maybe see the amount of Captain America memorabilia around my apartment. As I'm talking to Joshua, his Skype icon is him next to Captain America at Disney World. You know, I never said I was subtle, but... As he wears a Captain America (laughs) t-shirt. I almost did, not today. No, that's that's still in my my dresser. No, instead I've got uh, a Captain America and Peggy uh funko pop bobbleheads uh watching over my shoulder but i originally i i thought this movie was was fine um i remember also being a little turned off by the the montages but i i feel like that was partly where i was at the time i was very anti-montage and i think that's because of some of the harry potter movies reliance on them and i just kind of got tired of them because of that uh, especially for the, the fifth harry potter movie the there fifth was... and sixth harry potters definitely i can there are some pretty noticeable montages once you got to like the last couple they had some like montage but they're darker these are the dark harry potter movies <laughs> right so because of that i had gone grown uh cold on on montages and it i didn't get much mileage out of uh, the one you were talking about in the the second act, when you see Captain America, you know, doing all of this uh, work to combat the Red Skull, uh, and I think 
part of that was also just because I watched it on TV. And so I don't think montages work as well when you're watching it interspersed with commercials. So I, I remember thinking it was, was fine, but I you know when I had seen the second movie uh, before this one, the winter soldier, I love that movie. And I remember coming home from the theater and immediately going on to, to Facebook and saying that I thought that was the best superhero movie I'd seen since the dark Knight. Um, and so I, I was somewhat disappointed that this one didn't reach that same level for me at first. Um, but I will say that my, my thoughts and feelings about it have evolved over time. Uh, but before I get into my, uh, my thoughts today, uh, Aaron, I know you just rewatched this movie for the podcast, uh, watching it again now for the first time in, uh, almost 10 years. How did you feel about this time around? Well, yeah, like, like I said, I've, I've seen parts of it, good chunks of it on TV, but this was the first time watching it beginning to end in about 10 years. So yeah, I, I like it overall. It's still like not never going to say it's my favorite superhero movie, but I actually think, um, of the phase one movies, I think it's actually kind of like near the top, um, I would say it's definitely there. There are only like five Phase Three movies, right? Five or six, but I think it's definitely like top three for me. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, there is still some of that goofiness um, in some of the ways it's edited. I think part of that is like, I mean, it's supposed obviously it's supposed to be that way, and I think that's just it. Kind of, they show newsreels earlier in the movie it's kind of supposed to have a newsreel style on that segment of the movie so it kind of just works with the setting um yeah i mean like i don't I, it's not a profound experience watching this movie it's just it's just a a solid movie i feel in my opinion so i've definitely grown to appreciate it more okay okay and one of your your points there about it taking that that newsreel um, approach to the action and how it tells the story. That is one of the things that for me, I've definitely come to enjoy more and appreciate more um, because I, I have come now to love this movie. Um, I One, I should give a, a shout out to our podcast editor again, Alex Marcus, um, who recently talked about this movie on the Cinema Joe's podcast um, and choosing it as his um, favorite of the underrated Marvel movies. And I think it definitely earns that title. I I love this movie now. Uh, part of it is, I, I think it nails its its time period so well. I think that, that 40s wartime setting, it, it gets everything perfectly um, in terms of, it, it feels like it's, it's playing off of that, um, that style uh, of movies harkening back to that period. Uh, in some ways, it also reminds me of Raiders of the Lost Ark and the other Indiana Jones movies and their like depictions of the, um, you know, the Americans versus the Nazis and like the the Nazis are like, ah, I hate those guys. Like it's it's there, there's not a lot of nuance in that part of it, but it it doesn't need to have it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, you definitely have like the Red Skull being uh, not the most uh, 
I don't know, well-rounded character. Like, there's not a lot going on with him, but I think that's okay. I think he's still a very memorable and effective villain. But I, I think the the thing that ultimately sells me on this movie is that it shouldn't work, but it does, because I I am the first to to say that my love for Captain America is somewhat ironic. I, I don't consider myself the most patriotic person. Uh, but I, you know, have all this like red, white, and blue stuff around my apartment. Um, and it's because of the, the character and what he embodies and the ideals that are portrayed in this movie, uh, in some ways that I think are portrayed strong, more strongly here than anywhere else. So the, this idea that it's not about being um, like sloganistic, it's not like this nationalist kind of message it's 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 not about like oh yes america is this ultimate force for good in the world like that's not what this film is going for even though it very could have and i think that is where writers in the past have not known what to do with the character have have made captain america be just like this ultimate like uh boy scout who just can't stop preaching about how much he loves america um which I think they they parodied well in Thor: The Dark World when Loki pretends to be Cap for a second. Oh, uh, um, when you said parody well, I, I was thought he was like, oh, they parodied it well in Dexter's Lab with Major Glory wearing the old glory on his his back as a cape. That that also is I think another effective one, not what I had in mind. And, and but... He's like always, he's always like saying, like by this you know some part of the oh say can you see or <laughs> something like right that. right right Th- this isn't this isn't what this character is he's not going around and saying like uh you know oh stars and stripes like oh, he's not oh, by dawn's early light right right he that's not what this character is instead you have a character who is all about doing what he believes is right even though he's constantly being told that he's not, you know, he, he, he can't do it, that he's not the right person for it, that he, there are other people who should do it instead. Um, but that he maintains this set of ideals that he's, you know, set on and that he's going to pursue no matter what. Um, and so much so that when he is, a uh, trying to get into the army again, and he's asked, like, hey, so do you want to kill some Nazis? And he's like, no, I don't want to kill Nazis. It's like, I just don't like bullies. I don't care where they're from. So th- that's what this character is all about. He is, you know, really standing up for what's right no matter what, even if it puts him, you know, against all logic, all other forces. And it, I mean, it, in that sense, it sets up the the rest of the, the Captain America movies so well in that you then see him. Being like, okay, well, it's the right thing to do. It doesn't matter if it means I'm going against Shield. It doesn't mean it doesn't matter if I'm going against the rest of the Avengers. Um, it's it's just going back to that that belief system he has, and I I love that about the character and love that about the movie, um, and I think it captured it so well. And then the I feel like I've gone into like a whole rant at this point, but the 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 one other thing I will say that I love about this movie is his relationship with Peggy Carter. I think that 
it's it's fair to say that as as much as I enjoyed the Marvel movies, they've got a somewhat mixed track record when it comes to romances. Um, the the romance between uh, Pepper Potts and Tony Stark is one of the best, but then you have the Jane Fosters and Thors where it just doesn't work out as well. Taika Waititi is going to fix it. <laughs> hey, hey, I I believe in Taika Waititi. If anyone can do it, he can. Um, but I think this is without question the strongest romance in all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think that Chris Evans and Haley Atwell have insane chemistry. Like it's it's wild. Just like seeing them like just look at each other. It's like okay, just you could see the sparks. You can see the fireworks. Um, so much so that anytime like it, it's no wonder like they kept bringing Haley Atwell back even for small cameos because like, it, it just they they are so good together and then it makes the the end of Endgame just such an emotional payoff. It makes um, their reunion during the Winter Soldier so heartbreaking, as well as um, her funeral scene in, in Civil War, so, so heartbreaking. And I think that only works, and you only get that really effective emotional payoff over the course of 20-plus movies um, because this movie does such an amazing job setting up their relationship. Yeah, I think it's definitely, I mean, it not just, I mean, it's, especially since, like, Captain America is a character that, like, you and I knew, but, like, this is his, this is his first live act, I think he had, like, a TV movie, but this is his first theatrical movie, right? Uh, that's a good question. I know he had, like, a, I think a movie in the 90s, I can't remember if it was TV or not, that was a pretty it was pretty low budget yeah not nothing nothing to write home about right uh, but um i think that this the franchise starting with this movie um with with the you know his romance with peggy carter but just with the character in general was sort of like able to kind of like create a new fan base for a character that had kind of really fallen by the wayside. I feel like um, in terms of like, you look at the previous couple decades of, uh, you know, Marvel properties, um, it was all about X-Men and uh, Spider-Man. Mostly you had the fantastic four here and there where Chris Evans played human torch, but like, yeah, this this movie is just it 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 really laid the groundwork for like a whole new generation of Captain America fans that I just I just wasn't there I think. Mm. I mean certainly if you're reading the comics but like the uh the movies are always going to be the best evangelist for any of the comic characters. Mm. Um but yeah and I mean I've certainly I'm not alone in I, I many people have said that uh the Chris Evans uh Steve Rogers is very much like the Marvel's uh uh equivalent of Christopher Reeve's Superman like mm-hmm. 
and it, it come it came at an interesting time where you were in between movies uh like the dark knight which were so such like very like deep psychological you know gritty movies and then you had this movie but that is very much a more traditional superhero movie and like it's sort of a, I think it's like it shows like, hey, those movies are good, but these movies are good, too. It's like you don't have to be like, oh, because Batman is dark now <laughs> that, you know, you know, you know, we have everything has to be dark. It's like, no, there's still a place for these like just traditional, you know, good versus evil movies. Um, So I, I really, you know, I think it's cool that this movie was able to pull off. Um, I know you mentioned Raiders of the Lost Ark. Do you know that Joe Johnston actually won an Oscar for that movie for the visual effects? I thought I saw something about that. He worked oh, okay. on all three of the original Star Wars movies and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. So, like, he had a pretty extensive uh, visual effects background uh before he directed uh honey i shrunk the kids so he's kind of like hollywood's more unsung heroes like Mm -hmm. even though you don't know it he helped make some of your favorite movies yeah in in that way i feel like he fits in the mold of someone like john favreau who prior to i mean even now john favreau doesn't have a lot of huge name recognition uh you know he's not a spielberg but he's he's linked to obviously the iron man movies um you know the the recent uh lion king adaptation um so yeah the sense of he this person being really solid on the uh the visual effects side of things or the special effects side of things and then it bringing him into this this bigger world yeah i I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because I oh, I mean I was that. absolutely shocked and I was like okay so what else is this guy? I know he did the Rocketeer I'm like wait he did all the Star Wars movies and he has an Oscar for Raiders I didn't know that yeah 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 good for him he's had a solid career oh yeah 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 oh and to your uh, question earlier there have been technically a few Captain America movies before this but not really one was a serial from the 40s that basically had like very little connection to the comics then there was one from i think the 70s that was a turkish film and it wasn't really uh anything i I would imagine it'd be hard to do a captain america movie set in anywhere else but america but uh and then there was a 1990 film that was originally supposed to be released in theaters but it went unreleased for two years and then eventually went uh, direct-to-video and on cable television. So, right, right. I think it was from the same guy. They they made a Fantastic Four uh, TV movie also. Yeah, yeah. It looks it looks real bad. And it was supposedly real bad. So the, <laughs> Captain America, the first Avenger, was the first real Captain America movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I don't know. There's, there's, there's so much I want to get into on this, but I... I'm curious, Aaron, to hear more about um, watching everything this time around now that you um, 
I feel like you, you know much more about film history than I do. Um, so I, I feel like you may have, I know I said I appreciated the the, the war setting and, and kind of the period piece aspect of it. Um, but I feel like you may have had an even greater appreciation than I did. Um, are you familiar with a lot of the films from that time, from the 40s? Oh, the 50s? well, I mean, I know how the war affected some movies. Um, for instance, the, the reason why film noir got big and why, like, all those movies always had, like, a bunch of smoke is because they had to reuse sets. So, uh that's kind of one of the reasons why that genre got big at the time. Um, and it just like, I know a lot of actors got, uh, draft. I don't know if they actually got drafted or they enlisted. Um, so like a lot of like, like the actors from that time period served in world war two. Um, mm. as far as, um, I actually probably don't know as much you think I know, but, okay. <laughs> but uh, there there were some, you know, some interesting elements um, that I, I think I, I liked how they, you know, portrayed certain elements of the, uh, of just like the, what the mindset of people was, uh, in World War Two specifically, so you get into like nineteen forty three, like every like, at least in America, like after Pearl Harbor ha- Harbor happened, like everyone was like trying to find a way to like serve in whatever way they they can. So that's very much, you know, the Steve Rogers character is very much, um, you know, in line with that. So like a movie like Casablanca, which is really about like all it has a similar theme about like how this it, it it's a different kind of character because in that movie rick goes from like a less like more for himself character to becoming a more like you know you know fight the good fight you know you know fight on the side of good you know do what you can to, to serve the cause kind of character but like it still has like a similar theme it's just uh, Captain America, he he was kind of always already there. Um, mm. I think I I talked about it a little bit. Um, I forget what it might have been either our like Batman podcast when we talked about Anwan West Batman. Captain America, some people might find him as an uninteresting character because he doesn't really change. But he's one of those. Apparently, there's some academic somewhere that came up with the term flat air flat character arc which is all about the character. They don't change, but they change the world around them Mm. and change their other characters. um, The way they interact with other characters, their care, those characters change. Um, A good example is uh, when I was watching the Errol Flynn uh, Robin Hood, where he doesn't really change in that movie, but like, like with Maid Marion and like all his married men, like their whole worldview changes by interacting with him. So, mm. so to say that like Captain America is an uninteresting character because he doesn't change, I think misses the potential for the character. Just looking at how the other characters interact with him. Um, mm. 
I will say, like, as far as the setting goes, um, I do, I, I, I actually like this setting of the 1940s better than actually I think I've liked the setting of most Marvel movies. I think just the way that they made it look for the most part, uh, it just is more visually interesting. Um, mm. which is also like, uh, it, it's, it's also interesting that, um, this was the first Marvel movie that used digital cameras, which it, Usually when, I guess, at the time, I think the idea was, like, if you're shooting something old-timey, you, like, want to shoot it with, like, film. But I feel like, for the most part, like, it works here. Because, like, I know when we watched, uh, there was that, remember that, that, that movie Public Enemies with uh, Johnny Depp and uh, Christian Bale? That was, oh, uh, yeah. That was yeah, everybody was, con- with, that was a few years before that. Everybody was criticizing that it was shot digitally. They said, like, it doesn't look good. It's not, you know, fitting for the time period. I think that this, for the most part, I mean, I think some of like the scenes early on with like the uh, uh, the the Stark Expo looks a little too glossy, but overall, mm. I think it looks pretty good. You know, as like an early uh, digital shot Captain America movie. I will say that I wish. I mean, I guess I just didn't think it served the plot and I can understand that it would have been cool because Paramount was still uh, one of the uh, studios on this movie. This was like Marvel Studios didn't like come into like its full like independence until either like it might have been uh, like Guardians of Galaxy or the second Captain America movie. Whereas like yeah, it was in phase two. It was point. in phase two. So it would have been cool because Paramount was uh, one of the big uh, movie studios um, at the time. If they showed Captain America when he was at the movie theater watching, you know, some old Paramount movie um, uh, that, yeah. so that was that came out in 1943. Um, I, I know in that movie they just had a, they said he was going to watch a cartoon which mm-hmm. is the other way I would have said then they could have been like, well, Disney owns Marvel. They could have had him watch, you know, an old, you know, Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck. Uh, I mean, maybe people would have been like, it might've taken some people out of the movie. Um, it might've been too on the nose. So like, Hey, you know, Disney owns Marvel. Uh, but that would have been kind of fun. I, I would have liked that. It's got some good corporate synergy. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I I think those are all uh, fair points. And yeah, I <laughs> definitely wouldn't have known about the the digital. Um, oh, I didn't know about it for a while, but like definitely looking at it. Um, I, I like I said, I, for the most part, I think it it does look pretty good. And I think that just the visual design of this movie is, uh, you know, it, there's a lot of different stuff going on. You know, like uh red skull's fortress the the bunker mm. um the forest you know no. the mountains there's just a lot of like there's a lot to to visually enjoy and i just think it's a it's a good looking movie yeah yeah and i think the the sets are are, are fairly memorable um and work pretty well um yeah i you you mentioned the the Red Skull's fortress, like it's got 
such a interesting design with those giant windows right behind his desk. It's like, yeah, right. it's not exactly like the most like defensively sound, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Um, but no, and and they totally nail the the setting. So, um, like when you have um, Steve Rogers and, and Bucky going through the city, um, or later when you have um, Peggy and Steve uh, driving to the location where um, the super soldier serum is going to get administered, and then the the chasing after that, like you, it it feels very much. Uh, time appropriate like i especially as like he's running after the guy who kills um uh stanley tucci's character uh, is uh, it like, erskine erskine yes yeah um so that is uh abraham erskine yeah okay um yeah just like i i love that uh just the the way they make all like the cars just look right um the the storefronts the buildings just it's it's perfect looks great um but i i guess one thing i i want to go into while we're kind of talking about um some more technical aspects of things um is the the action and the effects and i i know aaron you were saying that you um were somewhat surprised or had forgotten how action driven this movie was how how well did the action work for you um overall i i, I like the action i don't think I, w- I wouldn't go say it's top notch, but we we already kind of talked about how um, the the Captain America movies kind of they they have this movie and then the Russo brothers kind of they they took over and like they defined kind of what a Captain America movie was going to be. Um, at least for me, I think that. The, the 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 following movies have better choreography but i think that that th- these are shot better i think it's okay. easier to follow the action definitely winter soldier even though it has some good action has some shaky cam going on that i i don't like particularly um the camera is pr- pretty still in this movie um and and, and shaky cam would just not have worked in this sort of setting um mm. you, you wouldn't it would not have been uh able to get those good you know hero shots of him throwing you know the uh the shield that are just very smooth mm-hmm. um i mean they have those in the other movies but like again in like the newsreel quality um, you know, or as Black Widow say, you know, the, 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 the pose, uh, scene, <laughs> uh, right. Right. Uh, so yeah, overall, like the action is pretty good. I was actually surprised. I forgot how violent this movie is. Oh yeah. People the, die. Yeah. Oh no. It's not just that people got die, but like people get like shot in the head. Like people actually get like bleed when they get shot, which is actually pretty uncommon nowadays for pg-13 movies um there's a hydra soldier gets like thrown through a plane propeller yeah uh stuff like that um people get disintegrated well yeah the people get disintegrated actually i think is one of the slightly like 
more cartoony, but like they do, they definitely play it as like being serious. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And in some ways the increased violence is kind of in keeping with the Indiana Jones, uh, uh, connection because the Indiana Jones movies have always been a lot more violent than star Wars. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially the first one is like had people's heads exploding. I mean, there's not, not nearly as, you know, violent as that, but no. I, I do wonder though, if they had made the, if they made this movie now, if they would have to have toned down some of the scenes. Oh, uh, I, I don't know. know. It's it just, it is weird because like I watched this movie and it feels more violent than the without remorse movie that I watched a few months ago, which was rated R, which is not a good sign. <laughs> no, I, I think that comparison between this and Indiana Jones is, is apt. The other thing is I think definitely to a, a toned down degree, but to some degree, I feel like it takes some visual cues from the, the war movies from the last um, 20, 30 years, like you're, you're saving private Ryan, um, your, your band of brothers, just oh, yeah. not, I mean, it de- not de- to that extreme. Oh yeah, definitely not to that extreme. I mean, but I think I, I'm glad you brought band of brothers up. Uh, cause I was going to mention that at some point, but like, yeah, definitely not to that extreme. I mean, uh, save private Ryan was so realistic that it gave veterans PTSD watching it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Definitely don't want to go that far. Yeah. But it... Well, I mean, it, not in a movie like this, at least. Yeah. I mean, it, so this... But it, this movie does capture the 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 grimness of the, of the war while it's also having these more um, cartoony moments as well. So it's, it's, a, it's a difficult balancing act, but I think it, it strikes it for the most part. And in terms of the effects... I think the the effects work really well for this movie. Um, I mentioned that <laughs> some people get disintegrated. I don't think that has aged super well. I actually when... didn't think it looked that bad, but okay. Okay. Um, it, I wasn't, you know, I didn't think it worked as well. I think other ones, um, they they work in that there was kind of this, um, th- there was a sense of it was supposed to be over the top. Like, um, like the... For me, the the one shot is coming to mind of Captain America throwing his shield um, and the explosion behind him, or like him <laughs> jumping through the explosion. Like, like, I don't think that was supposed to to look super realistic. Uh, Does you know, he I like jump it, off? Like, is he jump off a car? I, I might. Re- there's a shot very similar like that in the Avengers, I think. Um. Yeah. There's a, there's similar ones. Um. But it, it doesn't look the, the realist. And I, I think that's OK. I don't think they were going for that. But for, for me, by far, the the effect that I think works the the best and I think has aged incredibly is the, the one you mentioned earlier of having Chris Evans uh, be pre-serum Steve Rogers. Oh, see, because I don't think it aged very well. What? I think it's aged amazingly. I I think it's so convincing um, in those scenes where you have him um, talking with Bucky, when you have him um, doing the stuff in preparation for the serum, um, talking to Erskine. I think he, he looks great. 
I, I'll say I, cap. I, I think that in certain scenes, at least for me, it looked like pretty good. Um, I think any scene where he had his shirt off, where they you know posted his face on somebody else's body, didn't look as good. Um, the you know like like the color of his skin was just too different from whoever they were pasting pasting his face on. Um, at least for me. Um, okay. I, I mean, if Christian Bale had done the role, he would have lost the weight and then bulked <laughs> up to be Captain America. <laughs> you know. I, I have a lot of respect for Christian Bale, but that man, that's not healthy. Oh, he's, absolutely not. No, he's the, the go. He's, the go from you know one role like the machinist to like Batman to like do the fighter back to Batman is just, and then do uh, American Hustle where he's overweight. It's just yeah. it. I mean, even just like Tom Hanks, like losing weight. I think for uh castaway i think he developed diabetes because of it so it's really dangerous to do that yeah no christian bale's lucky he he doesn't have serious health consequences so yeah i'm glad chris evans didn't do that for this mm-hmm. um but yeah i guess i agree to disagree but but um, i at the same time i mean you had to have like that that whatever way they had that effect work you had to have that in the movie because the it's just so perfectly like shows how the character dynamics change immediately from when he's scrawny to when he's you know bulked up oh yeah he, he he's I, not not yeah. just with peggy but with with bucky um with uh whatever Tommy Lee Jones character is. Oh yeah. yeah. Tommy Lee Jones character who, you know, kept saying he's too skinny needs to, yeah. you know, eat a sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Colonel Phillips, Colonel Phillips. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love that. Um, that it, you're right. Like when he gets the serum and he's in that, um, it's kind of like a metal coffin yeah. where he's, he's, you know, the, the Vita rays are being, um, uh, shot in him and yeah, it's all I'm sure Vita Rays is a real thing. <laughs> totally, totally real thing. Real science. Um I it, it's so That's a cool scene. Well yeah, it's 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 a cool scene. But like when the, the metal uh contraption opens up and you see just mm-hmm. like actual Chris Evans, like and they've got like all his muscles like all like yeah gleaming and, mm-hmm. and shining and glistening. It's like whoa. Mm-hmm. Like it right. it's it really just uh-huh. Even if you you don't think the the effect of um, making you know putting Chris Evans' face on someone else's body, even if you don't think that that looks great, it's still so um, so striking to have that transformation. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if this is true. I, I it was either an article or a video I watched a while back they said the scene where Haley atwell she's seen him for the first time and she like goes to touch his chest and she like brings her hand back apparently that wasn't scripted that was like her actual reaction <laughs> to like seeing chris <laughs> evans without a shirt <laughs> you know i don't think anyone can blame her for that yeah yeah i i think that's that's the appropriate response yeah and you know what Haley atwell she's she's a legend she can she can do yeah. whatever she wants uh 
Yeah, and I guess it seems like we're kind of getting into some characters and performances, but one thing I just want to say before we get into that is um, on the the note of action and effects, there are a few, um, I don't know if you can call them set pieces, but um, moments in the film that I think really work well with the action. Um, one is the um, the prison break when uh, Cap goes into the POW camp that has um, Bucky and the rest of the Helen Commandos in, and he breaks in and he frees everyone. I love that set. I think the effects work really well. There's just awesome kind of stealthy Metal Gear Solid-esque thing going on. Oh, yeah, there's definitely like an over-the-shoulder. He he can see them, but they can't see him. Yeah. Um, which is, it's just a cool, um, you know, yeah. whenever you can conv- convey that visually to the audience, it just adds to the experience. Yeah, love that. Uh, love the the scene on the train um, when he uh, and Bucky are um, trying to go after uh, Zola. Uh, I think that works really well. It just like there's this real sense of uh, claustrophobia as they're fighting in the train because they can't do as much as they normally would. Um, yeah, Bucky has be- a, a, well, I would say Bucky has a real hard time. Yeah, he falls off the train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, there's also a real cool scene where Bucky uses the shield. Yes, that is pretty good. Yeah, I know some potential foreshadowing. They they love to do it, and I I think that works really well. And then the near the end of the movie when you have cap um riding the motorcycle like going through the front door of the red skulls camp i i think that is beautiful i love that like all the special effects uh or all the the different bells and whistles on his motorcycle i think is so fun it's like they just for a second he goes full batman and it's hilarious mm-hmm. uh so i i think those work really well did any of the um like the action set pieces or or scenes really stick out to you other than the ones i mentioned um i like i said i i like the um just the the initial chase i know you mentioned when he's he's trying to catch the hydra soldier um after he's been transformed uh i think that's a pretty exciting part like even just like simple things that like the Hydra soldier below, you know, you know, he wired this one car to explode while Peggy is shooting at him. It's just like, it's just well, a well constructed scene or yeah. sequence. It is. And it also has. And incredible... it shows him running towards yeah. like, I can catch up to this car. Right. Right. And I think on top of it, it has, a rare chance, I mean, not a rare chance, but a good chance for Chris Evans to show his, his comedic skills. Cause there's definitely this, this physical comedy of him not understanding how to use this new body. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like, wow, I'm taller and bigger than I was before. And he just like runs into things and breaks things. just like a, a bull through a China shop. It's, it's mm-hmm. really funny. Right. Um, uh, I don't know if it's in the trailer or does he still in the trailer? I know he says, how do you feel? And he says taller. Does he say that in the movie? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Cause that, that was, that's a good line. Yeah. It, it is a good line. Um, and yeah, I guess go, going into to the characters, we've, we've talked a bit about um, Chris Evans as, as Steve Rogers um, and how, yeah, like Christopher Reed, he's kind of so, 
so iconic in that role. I think the only other um, actor character combination that comes to mind is Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Like, oh, it, it just... I'm surprised you didn't. I mean, I was thinking that, too, but you didn't go to the obvious Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. Good point. There, so there are a few. Um, I, I, no, those are very analogous, but it, it's very different than like a Batman situation where it really depends on when you were born. Like, so if you were born in like the forties, then, or like the fifties, then like the Batman you most identify with is probably Adam West. If you're born, you know, a little bit later, it's probably, um, it's probably Michael Keaton and then so on and so forth. Um, yeah. Because there was no theatrical um, Captain America and until this point, um, Chris Evans just he like swoops in and is this like Chris Evans is Steve Rogers like you there's no way to separate them. And it's 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 even it's it's different. Uh, it, it's it, it's more analogous, I think, actually, from Wolverine and Hugh Jackman, where you like. You can very much tell that Wolverine is not who Hugh Jackman is. Um, but like with Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr., you definitely like it's very hard to tell where the character starts and where it ends. And like like how much of that is like just Robert Downey Jr. It's mm. very similar to like Deadpool and uh, Ryan Reynolds, where it's yeah. just like you're just like, that's Ryan Reynolds. That's just who he is. Um, with Chris Evans, especially when you look at his earlier filmography, not just with, uh, um, with like the Fantastic Four, but like he did like some like kind of <laughs> kind of sort of trashy teen comedies before this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that it, it's like he has a lot of range that. I don't know. I, he, I don't think maybe gets enough credit for always mm. that he can be kind of like this, uh, really like, like wise Alec, you know, bad boy character in the fantastic four. And then he can be this like boy scout in Captain America. And like, it, it's come to the point where like people, who've seen him in the fantastic four movies or at least knew he was in those like, no, that's him. But like, they're, they're just like, I just, I can't imagine him being any different than he is in these captain America movies. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm, that and like, I can't imagine like he has a Boston accent. It's just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Not the, the Boston accent, but how, this was such a departure for him because I, he was I like a push and like mm-hmm. uh, the losers, like all these like weird, like comic book movies. Uh, yeah. He was in um, Scott Pilgrim. Oh yeah. He was in Scott. He, he has, he was a guy who, what said he was vegan until he wasn't. I think that was Brandon Rouse character. Oh, you're right. Yeah. He was, just no, he guy. was the action star. Oh, okay. It's been a while since I've seen that movie. Yeah. No, but no, Chris Evans definitely to a degree had fallen into this, um, this certain type of character. Um, a lot of the, like this guy who's a jerk, this guy who's really hot headed, this guy who Uh is, you know, (laughs) one of those movies Uh, actually, 
I forget what it's called. I, I just I randomly saw the trailer for it. He and Scarlett Johansson are in it together as like um, they're like trying to steal the scores, uh, the answers to the SAT. Oh. Um, I think they actually might have like romance scenes in it. So it's funny now oh. to watch it. Oh, that is, that is a little strange and and retrospect. It's like called the perfect score or something. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Okay, yeah, I think I remember reading about that one. Um, but no, Chris Evans. If 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 you had looked at it at the time, I feel like this would have been such a weird casting choice. Um, because yeah, for the most part, I only really knew him as the the Human Torch in the Fantastic Four movies, even though we didn't see those movies. Um, and so for him to be in this role, just totally like, I don't know what the opposite opposite of typecasting is, but that's what it was. Well, I mean, and it also broke new ground in the fact that I don't, he probably wasn't the first, um, maybe some minor person. He was like, I'm going to play a different comic book character. It's like, you can't do that. You, you, you were one character. You had your time. (laughs) (laughs) Right. No, he he's like I'm gonna do it again, um, and I mean definitely this is much more iconic than his his time as human right. torch. No, I th- I think Chris Evans is just he, I don't know if he's ever gonna like win an Oscar like like he might not be valued the most as like a dramatic actor, but like as an entertainer he's really solid. Yeah, for sure, and. And to, to go to your point about his his range, like and and just because he's he's got into this character of Steve Rogers, he still can can go back and and put on that Boston accent and put on um, some of that uh, had <laughs> that jerk that he's been in previous films. Like I haven't seen Knives Out yet, uh, but I know in that he's oh, he's a piece yeah. of work. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's. Um... That that is a a good example. He definitely and that, but at the same time, it's like it, it took me a while. It was like, come on, like this. You're just like, wait, no, that's Captain America. Captain America, why are you speaking to your mother that way? <laughs> <laughs> uh, bad Captain America. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it 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 it's it's really impressive and i i agree that chris evans doesn't get enough credit for it um but he definitely should um speaking of people who do not get enough credits um i i want to note that there are at least two actors in this that i think don't have too much screen time but i think they absolutely nail it for every moment they're in Mm-hmm. And then that is Stanley Tucci as Abraham Erskine. I think mm-hmm. he he's awesome that role. And then uh, you mentioned Tommy Lee Jones as Colonel Chester Phillips. I think when it comes to uh, actors playing grumpy old men, you've got this top tier. You got Tommy Lee Jones, you got Harrison Ford, and you got Clint Eastwood. That's that's it. That's the that's the the three up there at the top and Tommy Lee Jones is just so well you say that wonderful. but I feel like you're just like again they're playing themselves especially Harrison Ford <laughs> <laughs> well it, it works though I Tommy Lee Jones is so funny in this movie he every line is is just delivered perfectly um whether it's the line you mentioned of like get that kid a sandwich or like 
just his he's so sarcastic and mm-hmm. it, it really works he plays really well off of Haley atwell's peggy mm-hmm. carter right um and even like i don't know if it's his last line in the movie but if it is it's hilarious um when uh steve and peggy finally kiss and then steve like is like kind of awestruck and he looks at Tommy Lee Jones and Tommy Lee Jones says, I'm not kissing you. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. That, that is, I think that is his last line in the movie. Because <laughs> um, I know Howard Stark has some lines when they're looking, but I don't, can't remember. Uh, yeah. That, that I, Tommy Lee Jones um, is, uh, he, he was a great get for this movie that very much could have been just like, we, we got to get a really big name to like add, you know, you know, get some Oscar winner to, to like elevate just how the people perceive this movie. But like, he actually like does give a good performance. He's definitely does not phone it in. Um, and uh, Stanley Tucci, yeah, is also a very likable um, as uh, Dr. Ernstkind. I mean, I'm I'm not going to speak to any, you know, the accuracy of anybody's accent. I have no clue if he has an, an accurate German accent. To my ears, it sounds fine, but yeah. But um, I, I... but regardless, <laughs> uh, I I do think he he for the limited amount of time he's in the movie, he makes a a, a pretty big impression. Um, and he's also another actor who has a pretty uh, big range. Um, if you just remember, like he's the he's the 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 interviewer from The Hunger Games, and how like over the top mm-hmm. that character is compared to this character's. Um... Yeah, Stanley Tucci can can honestly do anything. Just, right, he knows what the assignment is. Yeah, um, yeah. but I no, and I I think. Speaking again of chemistry, I think his chemistry with with Chris Evans it works so well because they have a lot of these really quiet, intimate moments. But throughout that, you also have Stanley Tucci just really getting the humor mm-hmm. uh, perfectly. Like, oh yeah, when he says like uh, like I don't have a procedure tomorrow, and he 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 takes. Uh, mm-hmm. Steve's shot so that he's he's drinking for him like there's there's moments like that where if if you just had an actor who who wasn't as comfortable on the comedic side of things it wouldn't have worked uh but Stanley Tucci just effortly goes mm-hmm. back and forth between the two right um, um I and I will say that like as somebody who has had multiple docs, doctors with like foreign accents, it does like his scenes feel like going to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> like I remember like there was a time I had like a Polish doctor. So like not exactly the same accent, but like similar. Yeah. Or our pediatrician growing up. Yeah. P- yeah. 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 <laughs> that, that's a good point. I hadn't even thought about that, but that does bring me back. Um, yeah, and I I really just love what um, his character stands for overall in the sense of, uh, you know, the the super soldier serum. It takes what's inside and it makes it better, or right. it, it amplifies it. So mm-hmm. he he explains that's why the Red Skull got the serum and he became uh, this deformed monster. And this is why you know he believes that Steve is the perfect candidate for right. it, even though he's so uh, you know weak and frail that because he's a good person that he's going to to be the best fit for it i yeah i i will admit that was now that i'm remembering 
Like, I think I like the fact that, like, they really did have to, like, well, like, what's special about Captain America? If he's just some guy who got, a, you know, a, a special shot in him and he's just not special, like, like, you can't, it's not an interesting, like, superhero character. It's like, it's he becomes what Tony says he is in the Avengers. He's there's nothing special about him. Everything special about him was in a bottle. Um, with the fact that like he's, you know, he's picked because of, you know, you know, he's a good person. You know, I think mm-hmm. yeah. it, it's, it's, it's sort of just like, yeah, you know, like everybody roid up. It's like, no, you have to be a good <laughs> I'm not sure like, <laughs> what the, I'm not sure where I'm going with it. Though I, I I did find it a little goofy. I will admit it was like Red Skull. Like he got a skull because he's just a bad person. Like that's kind of goofy. It's like this is science we're talking about. They keep calling <laughs> about like science in this in this this movie is like the cube is all science. It's like yeah, but the science is like uh, you're a bad person. You're gonna have a red skull now. <laughs> But I like I think it's it's mostly it's forgivable because I think overall um, the the theme works. Right. Yeah, it it doesn't uh, (laughs) it that that's I mean, once again, anything with the Red Skull in this movie, I feel like is very over the top. And I think if if the Red Skull had a mustache, he would twirl it. Right. But uh, it's. It's very heightened and it's very cartoony. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Right. I mean, I guess getting into the Red Skull, I I think Hugo Weaving gives a pretty good performance. I think he. I don't know. I I don't. He's definitely. I don't. People love Justin Hammer. I think he's a little bit better than Justin Hammer and uh, whatever the name of uh, the other character in Iron Man 2 was. Um. A whiplash whiplash like i think he's he's a better villain i think i think it's just because hugo weaving is a good actor um apparently i know he apparently didn't like this role that much because he didn't come back to do it <laughs> but i think he doesn't it doesn't come off as an uh as somebody who was just shoved it for a paycheck for as much as he maybe that was the case he it 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 looks like he's trying. So, yeah, no, he uh, he didn't feel the need to come back for Infinity War and Game, and I, you know what, I I can re- respect that. You know, he is a busy man. Um, he does have a pretty uh, stacked resume. Uh, it sometimes I forget how good he is and how experienced he is. Because when I see this movie, I just think, wow, this man was born to play a villain. Like, like, how could you ever have him anything else? And obviously, he's, he's perhaps best well-known, um, or at least it's if it's not his best-known role, it's his second best-known, uh, as playing Agent Smith in The Matrix. Um, it's like, you watch that, watch this, like, okay, this man is is born to play the villain in everything. Just, just you know give him all those roles but then it's like wait he was also you know elrond in the lord of the rings and the hobbit movies and right uh, oh wait um, he was also v for Ven- or v and v for vendetta right i will say he he his even his 
hero characters tend to have sort of a dark side to them even <laughs> even the dog and babe has like a gruffness <laughs> to him uh but um i think he he there he does have range i mean um there is not so much in the lord of the rings movies but in the hobbit movies he has a little more warmth to him when he meets the uh the dwarves they get they get to talk about a completely different movie so like <laughs> but yeah he is definitely you know great as playing a villain um it, it comes i think it comes to him very easily yeah no and and he he does well and it it's not uh you know the most physically demanding like he's not really in many fight scenes but i think he i mean i'm sure he had a stunt double but he i, I think he he has this really imposing presence throughout mm-hmm. that works really well. And even when it is the more campy parts, because of, of all the, the Marvel villains, he might be the campiest. Um, and, and he makes, he, he makes it work. Like the scene where he's getting his portrait painted is so goofy <laughs> <laughs> and so silly, but it, it, it still works because hugo weaving is just that good of an actor as well as um i also want to make mention of uh i'm blanking on his name um the actor who plays zola oh ah, darn it i was thinking of him earlier i don't remember toby jones toby jones yeah 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 he he also he plays that incredibly well for me it's it's this dynamic which going back to Razor Lost Ark, it's it's kind of like the the dynamic of the the different villains in that. Like Toby Jones is kind of like the 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 one guy in Indiana Jones with the with the, a burnt hand, yeah, yeah, with the burnt hand. Oh yeah, and Brett, Brett Skull's kind of like. If they the, didn't do that on purpose, I would be surprised. Yeah, the resemblance is like fairly uncanny. Yeah. Um. And Red Skull's like the 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 main villain, uh, sort of. I mean, it's not not a perfect comparison, but mm-hmm. that's what comes to mind. Right. Um. I guess I was just talking about other characters. Oh, you. We already talked a little bit about Steve and Peggy's romance, but I think the reason why one of the reasons their romance works is that, like, she's an actual character. Like some some of these other, um, uh, Marvel, uh, you know love interest for as good as some of those movies are they they do feel a little underwritten like as good as like black panther is like i feel like i can't remember what the name of his love interest in that movie was um lupita nagano's character yeah but like i can't remember what the name of her character was yeah i have to admit i can't either um or you know again you you mentioned jane foster in uh, <laughs> in Thor where she doesn't really have that great chemistry with Chris Evans, but even just beyond that, like she very much, you know, like they established that like she, the reason why she's so perfect for Steve is because they're so alike because they're all about service, you know, to the cause, you know, you know, he's asking her, he's like, why, you know, you, you could do anything. You're beautiful. But like, you know, like, again, it just, it's so perfectly, uh, you know, encapsulates like just that, that was the people's mindset back then, you know, 
you know, even, you know, you know, when mostly it was the men fighting, I mean, like women were working in factories and everybody was buying war bonds and stuff like that. You know, there's just a sense of like community and duty that, you know, like I said, I think is really embodied by her and Steve really well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think you, you said that all really well and I, can't give enough credit to Haley Atwell. I, I also, I just, I like mm. the fact that I guess she, she, I'm guessing she's British in the comics. I, I, for some reason, I like the fact that they chose a British actress. I think it's, it, it worked. The dynamic between her and just everybody else is a little more interesting that way. Even just like there's, when she's introduced, the soldiers are more hostile towards her, not only because she's a woman, but like, because she's British is like, Oh, you know, I thought we were serving for the U S army. Right. Um, I'm not sure about the character in the comics. Yeah. Uh, I just was looking at that and, and it also sort of like in like, kind of like an interesting way is like a sim symbolizes the friendship between the USA and the United Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's what they were going for. Probably not. But I no I, I think Haley Atwell is amazing. Anytime I see that a movie has Haley Atwell in it, I am instantly a thousand times more interested in it mm -hmm. uh, because I think she is just a a movie star in every sense of the word. Mm -hmm. Like even in a movie like, um, if you remember like the Christopher Robin movie that came out a few yeah. years ago, mm -hmm. um, like she doesn't have a, a huge role in it, but as soon as I found out she was in it, I was like, Ooh, yay. Awesome. Haley Atwell. Right. So excited. Yeah. Um, and she, and even, she, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, even in like the, I, I know she's the, the mother of Cinderella in the, the live action Cinderella. I've only, I, I haven't okay, even seen her scenes. That. And I want to go and watch them because I, I didn't know even know it. that. Yeah. yeah. No, I was just, um, she has some, some pretty good scenes. Like you said, she, her and I already forgot the name of what Tommy Jones character was. What was the name of Tommy Lee Jones character? Phillips. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Colonel Phillips, Colonel Phillips, Phillips TV, Phillips, you know, washing machine. Yeah. Screwdriver. Um, yeah. Uh, I think they very this this putting it in the trailer doesn't do the scene justice where she she shoots at Steve when he has the shield right after the the other woman you know was giving him a, th a thank you kiss and the, it causes their relationship you know issues she's just like no nope, goes for the gun shoots at him <laughs> and it's like yeah I think it works right right after. Um, was it it's Marjorie Natalie... Tyrell? No. Yeah, Natalie yeah, Dormer. Natalie Dormer. <laughs> and, I was, and I was like, wow, I didn't know she was in this movie. And she's only in like one scene. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't have much to do. She just kind of comes and just kisses. But yeah, she, yeah, she has, uh, yeah, she just. And th there is something very funny about um, when they're in boot camp and she's like, like saying, like, she's calling them ladies and something. Uh, it's like put your backs into it, girls, or whatever. I don't know. I just thought that was funny. Yeah, Th yeah. There is definitely some humor there, but the the other thing I really like about her is that so sometimes I feel like in in 
movies where you have um, women in um, like military roles or more action roles, it feels like they have to become um, like less feminine or like they 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 can't um, like they they become like genderless. But, like think we we recently talked about. Um, uh, Terminator two. Mm-hmm. And once I think that, um, Linda Hamilton is, is amazing in that as, as Sarah Connor, but I, I feel like there's, there's a major lack of, uh, femininity in that. And the amazing thing about Peggy Carter in this is that she is still just as much as a badass. She still is able to take anyone down and, you know, is not afraid of anyone, but she still has that that femininity to her. Like she's still uh, she's as comfortable, you know, holding a gun as she is walking around in high heels. Like mm-hmm. she, you know, she's as comfortable as she is um, in her military uniform as she is in that red dress she wears to go mm-hmm. get Steve from the bar. Like it it's 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 not this trade off. It's just like you mm-hmm. can still be feminine and still be powerful. And I think that's a, a beautiful part of Peggy that they then captured in um, her series that spun off of this um, in the sense that she's got this amazing fashion sense, like with her red hat um, while she's still doing this awesome spy work. And I think it's, it's a major credit to her. And I just want to uh, one, one thing that Atwell said about her character that I, I really like um, is in an interview. She said, um, I liken her character to that famous Ginger Rogers quote. She can do everything Captain America can do, but backwards in high heels. And I, I love that because I think that that perfectly reflects that relationship between um, Steve and Peggy. Uh, and it, and it's really going back to um, how dynamics change when Steve gets uh, the serum. It's like e- even before that, they have this, this sense of camaraderie of like, we don't belong here. Like, like everyone else thinks like we're a joke. Um, and then like them showing everyone else differently. Um, and I, I think that works perfectly, um, because of you know their chemistry and just because of how well the, the script, um, lets Peggy Carter be a, like a, and put, puts Peggy on equal footing to cap um, in some ways making her more of his partner than, than Bucky is. Right. Um, yeah. Um, I think all the, the movie handles all those things. Well, um, uh, I will make, a, a, I, I do see your point with Terminator two. I think for that movie that works well because I don't know. They never got really into, uh, Sarah Connor's like identity that much before and 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 she's obviously a much more damaged character than not that Peggy Carter has not been through some stuff and she definitely goes through some stuff at the end of this movie but like I will say she they are there is a slight difference but I I do see what you're saying and I think that is a definitely a positive to uh, uh Peggy Carter's character and I do want to just point out that um uh, I think uh, Haley Atwell and Chris Evans do a really good job at the the end of the movie where he has to crash land that plane into the ocean. 
or it's oh, ice, yeah. I guess. Um, they, I also am a person who likes sad endings, so I think it works well. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I I don't know if I if I if I cried the last time I watched that scene, but there's a high chance that I did. There's a yeah. there's very much a likelihood that I did. Yeah. Um, but um, we just I feel like we've given Bucky sort of the short end of the stick. It's like, <laughs> hey, you have your own TV show. I mean, certainly the Winter Soldier is his movie more than this one. But like I said before, I really do enjoy how he has this his his relationship with with steve really changes he almost has sort of like an older brother relationship mm-hmm. with him and then he has to deal with like almost like your your younger brother just grew up like like four years or something and like yeah it's just like and there are there are this they have some good scenes early on and I, I like the 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 line, you know, you know, don't do anything stupid. Like, how can I? You're taking all the stupid with you. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. But just like the scene where uh Peggy meets them in in the bar, and she's wearing the dress, and you know Steve's talking to her, and he just says, "It's like I tur- I'm, I'm turning uh, I'm turning invisible. I'm turning into you." Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah. I just I think is a really funny moment. Um, yeah. So yeah, he's not in this movie all that much, um, and I I don't think I don't know if I knew that he was going to be the Winter Soldier uh, when I watched uh, the first one because I mean certainly that comic had come out by then, but I don't know if I knew. So at the time, I was like, "That's how he dies." I was like, "That's pretty like." Bucky kind of deserved a little better than that. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Um, I, and I will say uh, something I didn't mention just about this movie. Um, and I think the Marvel movies in general do a good job is that, uh, this movie does, um, a good job of world building, uh, just even with the Red Skull character, like it, he never really explains what the cube is. He just like it's the power of the gods. But like, you know, between him explaining that and just like explaining who he is, uh, I think works pretty well. I will say it was kind of weird that like, and I feel like if they did it now, they probably would have been like, okay, we're we're gonna fully commit. Like they're like Hydra's Nazis, but they're not Nazis. Is this like? I feel like if they did it now, they wouldn't be as afraid to do it. I, I wonder if it had to do with their international box office. Um, because I know Germany is really strict about uh, Nazi iconography in uh, media, which is why there's like um, anytime there's a swastika, which is only like three times, it's never in full view. Mm. Um and I know other parts, there were a few countries, uh, it was Russia, South Korea, and Ukraine. This movie just was known as the first Avenger. It wasn't known as Captain America, the first Avenger. South mm. Korea, I'm not sure why that country, because we have a pretty good relationship with South Korea, but. Um, no. Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, and I just. I, I I think the 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 Hydra not equating them with Nazis thing, I think that does have more of a comic book origins, because their relationship in the comics kind of varies depending on right. the story. I think Red Skull is, I don't know. I think they, 
he was a Nazi. And then I think for a while he was a communist. So I think he kind of changed whatever the story needed him to be. He was pretty much a boogeyman. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will say that. And it is, if there is like one kind of criticism that it's not, I actually thought it bothered me going more into the movie than it did coming out. That this movie is sort of like a sort of, you know, a glossy, you know, glossier version of World War Two, where it doesn't get into like more of like the reality. Like, for example, like doesn't mention that like the army was, you know, wasn't desegregated until after World War Two uh, doesn't really. Uh, it goes a little bit into like some people's prejudices um, the one Asian character, you know, is like some people saying like, what are you doing here? He's like, I'm from whatever, you know, U.S. city. Mm. Uh, so it is sort of like a more like idealized version. But I don't I don't think it's actually like a big issue. I just I, I would just hope that when people watch this movie that I hope that they they consume more media about World War Two, like like you mentioned, mm. Save a Private Ryan, Band of Brothers, uh, P- the Pacific are all really good uh, stuff. That like really like this is a comic book movie. I think overall it does a pretty good job of like describing it. But like it is it is a more like family friendly version of it. Um, yeah. Um, I, I, they don't even really talk about the Holocaust that much. I think they imply that Erskine is Jewish, but, um, I think so. Um, I, yeah, no, you're it to, to degree. It is a somewhat sterilized version of, uh, not sterilized, but, a somewhat, uh, toned down. Yeah. Toned down. Yeah. I don't know what I was going for there. Yeah. a, a A toned down version of, um, of World War Two, and I I think to to a degree that that works, and I don't think they were going for you know the same vibes as like a as a Saving Private Ryan. Oh no, um, because I don't think that that would have worked with the the PG thirteen rating they were going for. Oh no, absolutely not. And uh, you know you can't sell uh, toys if you have you know someone losing their internal organs. Oh, no, um, I was just going to say, the of I, I, I was just going to yeah, I mean, there is that, but I was just like, probably hard to sell red skull toys. If he's wearing a swastika. <laughs> That's also true. Um, no, I think other than, than that, I, I don't have a lot to say about him, but I do want to make a point to mention Dominic, uh, Cooper as Howard Stark. He, I think does a, a really good job of showing that this character is Tony Stark before Tony Stark, but also this is very much, you know, what if Howard Hughes was a comic book character? Oh yeah. I mean, definitely. Uh, I mean, in, in Iron Man two, they, I mean, they show Howard Hughes and Walt Disney, which is a fitting considering that Disney owns Marvel were like the big inspirations for Howard Stark and it, it does work. Um, he is not a super present character. It does pay off. I, I never really... L- I would have preferred... Like, I know... I guess they made Iron Man 2 first. I never really bought uh, 
like the Dominic Cooper, and then I think it's John Slattery. I think plays him in the other movies. Uh, yes. Um, like I never really bought the like transition from one to the other. So it's like it's not as heartbreaking when Bucky. Uh, though I don't know if he actually has any scenes with Bucky in this movie, but it's still not like as like heartbreaking when when Bucky kills him in civil war in the flashback because it's not the same actor good point like that that does make a difference and that is like actually one of the more like shocking like uh scene like they hint at it in winter soldier but just like the brutality of it is one one of the more shocking scenes in in a marvel movie yeah uh even though they they you know they don't show everything explicitly yeah Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, were there any other characters that you wanted to, to go into or any other um, actors that you, you felt deserved a, a little bit of time to talk about? Uh, I'll just say that Neil McDonough, who plays Dum Dum Dugan, uh, Dugan, is uh, in Band of Brothers. So if you liked him in this, you would probably like him in that. <laughs> <laughs> I really like Neil McDonough. Not not so much in this, but just in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's right. great in Legends of Tomorrow. Right, he's he's right. amazing in that. Right. And I think um, just the, the plug that I need to really go back and watch that show. But if you really like the sense of like camaraderie between the soldiers in that movie, I mean, Band of Brothers is based on real life. Uh, so they get like a, a sense of that is... I just like, again, get like a, a sense of like what it was really like. I would highly recommend if you have HBO Max to check it out, especially since it's uh, it's almost the what, like 80th anniversary of Pearl Harbor, I think, in December, 20th anniversary of the show uh, later this year. So, no, no, that's a good point. Uh, definitely a good time to check those things out. Um, yeah. Other kind of moving on from characters, I don't have a lot to say about this, but I do want to, to go to the to the music because I, I do think the the soundtrack for this is is very good. I think Alan uh, Silvestri does a, a very, um, very good job in this. Mm-hmm. And it's not surprising because he's got a, a really stacked uh, filmography um, going back to back to the future, Forrest Gump um all of the avengers movies mm-hmm. I, I think his theme for captain america is has become iconic at this point mm-hmm. um and i just there like this there's this march quality to it um that it, it feels like it should be like like every um song sounds like you could be playing like on the um, you know, on the, the, the grounds of, uh, you know, Washington DC, like, like on the, the reflective pool and it would be like, uh-huh. yeah, right. this works, this fits. All oh, right. Like um, at the national mall and stuff like that. Exactly. It, so it, it, it perfectly captures that sense of wartime, uh, patriotism, mm-hmm. um, so well. Mm-hmm. Um, it also, he does a really good job with the, uh, any of the kind of scenes with the Red Skull um, and Hydra kind of just make this very unsettling quality to it. Mm-hmm. 
But was it, were there any parts where the soundtrack stuck out to you? Um, yeah, just usually when the main theme popped up, uh, I, I do think that for me, I think the Marvel scores are sort of hit or miss. I think Alan Silvestri usually does it better than some of the other ones. I know you're a pretty big fan of, uh, the winter soldier soundtrack. And I think actually, I don't know. It, it is sort of, it, it's weird that like they had, it was a Henry Jackman, I think did the score for that movie. Yes. Um, it, it's just, that's a completely different movie. I think they made the right choice, uh, to, uh, for, for that. I, I actually really like the winter soldiers theme. Um, Oh yeah. Um, I think out of, I don't, like I said, I, I don't think a lot of the, a lot of the Marvel heroes, they, their themes are sort of throwaway. Uh, like they never really brought Iron Man's theme into, uh, into like the other movies that much. Uh, the same with like Thor and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think he was also, they were smart to, um, he was very appropriate, uh, to get for the Avengers. Um, and yeah, I think, uh, it's just his, uh, his musical quality. Like if Alan Silvestri is one of those composers that if I couldn't get John Williams to score my movie, he would be my, the next person I would get. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. I mean, his, for you mentioned back to the future, back to the future, the theme, the back to the future is one of the like greatest, you know, uh, movie themes. Uh, it's a national treasure. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think the music for that movie, the the music, (laughs) the music for Forrest Gump is also really good. Um, so yeah, Yeah. I, I, I think he was, he was a very, he was just a natural pick for this, this movie. Yeah. Agreed. Um, yeah. Glad he stayed on for, for most of the Avengers movies with the exception of age Ultron, um, which was Danny Elfman. But I, I will also agree that I'm glad that they switched to Henry Jackman for um, Winter Soldier. Otherwise, yes, we would not have gotten the Winter Soldier and his evil kazoo. Is it, is it kazoo? It sounds like a kazoo. You know, like I mean, we could talk. I mean, we're not talking about that movie. I think uh, that movie definitely takes some musical cues from the Joker's theme. I think in in the uh, the Dark Knight, but yeah, uh, I can see that. Um, but 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 I guess going into that, I don't know if you had anything else to say. I know we did. You did mention before we started uh, that you wanted to ask me like how I ranked this movie. Yes. So right before that, I just also wanted to give a shout out to the one song in this this movie, uh, "Star Spangled Man," um, which is sung near the beginning of the film when. Steve first gets the the super soldier serum and instead of being able to go fight in the war, he's forced to go perform on stage um, in order to um, raise awareness and and get people to buy war bonds and other things. Um, I think that song is amazing of all the (laughs) montages I've seen. It's one of my favorites ever. Uh, I love how there's also this arc in it of you see like, Steve Rogers getting more and more comfortable in that mm-hmm. role. Um, and want to mention that the 
song was made by uh, David uh, Zippel for the lyrics. And the music was Alan Menken, who we previously talked about as one of the main, um, uh, I guess, composers behind the Disney Renaissance, especially uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. So uh, if, if you need a little bit of trivia, Alan Menken was part of a Marvel movie. Okay, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, I mean, I actually one of the coolest things about that uh, that that sequence is the way they're Im- able to uh, incorporate the the cover of the first Captain America issue where he punches Hitler, which was like actually seen as like pretty radical at the time. This was before. I mean, in in the context of this movie, they're already at war. When that came out, the U.S. was not at war with Germany. Yeah, no, I, I love a good callback, especially to like a, a, you know, a a iconic comic book cover. And that was a good one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, I did want to go into our, our ranking. So, uh, Aaron, I am curious. We've, we've spent a lot of time talking about this movie in the context of the other Captain America movies, um, as well as the, the Marvel cinematic universe overall. Like how does this rank among them for you? Uh, I think this I think this movie even though it is kind of underrated I I think that and I'm not I I, I mean I, I just watched the 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 season finale of Loki which I thought was pretty good. I haven't loved like some of the the past couple post Avengers Endgame uh movies. Um so I I I definitely this felt more like what I want to get out of a marvel movie than i'm getting out of uh some of the other ones some of the ones i don't like as much um but uh i guess i would i'd how many movies are there there's like 22 23 oh gosh uh Uh, i would say there's a lot this is definitely in like if there's like a if you're putting it into like thirds this is definitely in the top third you know of you know marvel movies uh it's hard for me to rank where it is for the captain america movies because i think that each of those movies does certain things very well and they all have their own strengths uh i think that i don't know i i think that um people should definitely if they haven't watched this movie definitely rewatch it because i know the the other ones do tend to overshadow this one um and really like remember captain america's roots uh yeah yeah, it, I, I may have miscounted, but I think there's been 24 movies so far. So this you said this would be in your, your top third, though. Yeah, I would say so. Okay, okay. Yeah, um, I can't argue too much with anything that you said. I I really, really have a fondness for this movie, um, in part because Captain America has become my, my favorite superhero, 
um, which is funny because I remember the only uh, exposure to him as a kid was playing as him in Marvel vs. Capcom, yep. uh, the arcade game, just because he was blue and my favorite color is blue. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, him. I'll play as him and Mega Man. Um, those are going to be my standbys because I am lame and apparently only use, you know, color-coded characters as a way of choosing things. But I... Um, I just love the idealism of this movie and how it represents like not this like rah rah America's so great, but like this is what you know the ideals um, of this nation stand for, and like this is what this nation could be if everyone was you know as moral a figure as Captain America. I I agree. It's it's hard to compare it to the other Captain America movies because they all do such different things. So, and, and I think by far it is easily the best uh, trilogy of the the Marvel movies. Oh yeah, I mean even though it doesn't it doesn't have the same director for the first uh, movie, it, I I think just it just flows so much better than the Iron Man movies do. Um, the Thor movies, you know. Some people like the first Thor. Some people like, you know, Ragnarok. Somebody, I guess, likes. I actually liked the Dark World uh, when I first saw it, and then kind of didn't like it as much. But uh, yeah, uh, no, it it still has it, its defenders. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of difficult because, like, it's almost like the genre of each of the Captain America movies is di- different. Like this one is very much a classic you know superhero movies but also like a war movie and like definitely it's no secret that uh 70s you know political thrillers was a, an inspiration for uh the winter soldier because that's why they get robert redford in it because he was in movies like uh, uh like seven days of the condor or whatever uh and it, it was in movies like uh all the president's men. Uh, and then like the last Captain America movie has sort of like the political thriller, but it's also kind of just like an Avengers movie too. So, yeah, no, that's, that's a, a really good point. And I think that is definitely what makes it hard to compare them all. And why I think I'd love all of them, um, for the different qualities they bring to the trilogy. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard. I, I still think that, of all the the Marvel cinematic movies, uh, the Winter Soldier and Black Panther are my most are my are my favorite of all of the movies. Um, but this is definitely up there in the top ten um, easily. But yeah, so uh, and I guess just before we get into our close, um, just curious, like for the the future of this franchise, we we talked about the trilogy. Um, we can we can say now that there is um a oh I got the, it's not it's not seven days it's three days I'm three days it. okay so three days at condor Ex- except i think the book was six days <laughs> <laughs> there was there was a number of days involving a condor but yeah. um but yeah we, we talked about the captain america trilogy overall um but at this point we know that there is going to be another captain america movie coming out um with the Sam Wilson character now as Captain America. Um, 
how do you how would you like this franchise to continue or do like do you have any thoughts on like what you want to see from this franchise moving forward that's that's difficult um just because i i know what they did with the falcon the winter soldier show uh and i I don't think they closed the lid for it to come back as Captain America and the Winter Soldier for season two. Um, the way that they've kind of been more like, yeah, WandaVision was a limited series. Uh, I think they were more open to So it's like, they'd have to do something that felt big. Like it was bigger than the TV show. So, but I don't know. I like, it's hard because like, I felt like I, I feel like all the Captain America movies went so big that it, especially the last one that the like <laughs> I, I I I don't think they should try to top it because I feel hmm. like you, you if you you every time you try to top yourself eventually I think that just leads to an incoherent mess of a movie. <laughs> Fair. Um, Fair. But uh, yeah, I think there are a lot of interesting ways they could take it i i I think it's ultimately especially seeing the way that the the tv show went it is going to take more cues from winter soldier than it is from this movie um but i think they can still like look at like character beats from this movie and see where maybe they can learn lessons from that Mm. yeah no i i think that's um that makes sense and uh i i did see uh sam wilson as captain america in like car commercial recently i know they did one with scarlet witch uh it's like hyundai or something or toyota i was just like i was just like what is he doing in this commercial (laughs) why are they making their marvel characters do car commercials not sure that is a interesting choice um, no, it, it seems like um, there is the the fourth Captain America movie in the work. It's still kind of being worked out, but it sounds like it's going to have um, some of the same uh, creative forces that were in uh, the Falcon, the Winter Soldier. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think I really want them to just take the foundation they have from this, um, this trilogy and just build on top of it. I think, you know, Sam Wilson is obviously a, a, a very different character than Steve Rogers. Um, but I think, uh, you know, his, our brief glimpse of him as Captain America in the, the season finale of the Falcon Mother soldier shows that he can fill, um, you know, a similar role, but with his own experiences. And I, I think I just want to see more of that of, Let's let's show what it's like when you have the ideals of Captain America um, represented in um, a person of color who has, you know, dealt with, um, you know, systemic racism and, you know, you know, history of um, racism and intergenerational trauma. Just what what does it mean for him? And I I think the, the show did a great job of that with. Um, it signs with scenes with uh, Isaiah Bradley, and I, I want the the next movie to just kind of build on top of that, while also, like you said, bringing that same uh, energy um, 
from the previous Captain America movies without necessarily going, you know, so big that they uh, miss the mark of what makes this character important. Right. Yeah. Um, I do like that he is like they are. They're both Captain America, but they are very like. They're their own characters. Like he his what it means to be Captain America is very different to him and the way he operates as Captain America is different, which I think is just more interesting. If, if they made him just like he, he, he's Steve Rogers now. It was like that. Would, I mean, one, that wouldn't be honest for the character and two, it just wouldn't be as interesting. Right. No, it's, and, and I think because of that, the, the next Captain America movie is going to feel very different. Uh, and I think in a good way. Um, also Anthony Mackie is just a very underrated actor. He's also hilarious. If you ever watch him in any interviews, he is constantly making jokes and making everyone else around him laugh. He just seems like such an amazing person. So, uh, Anthony Mackie, if you're listening to the podcast, you know, please join us for an episode. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, Aaron, I feel like I have, uh, talked your ear off for long enough. Um, and wanted to thank you again for letting us talk about this. This has been our podcast on Captain America, the first Avenger celebrating its 10th anniversary. Um, Aaron, it sounds like we, we both would recommend this movie. Uh, accurate. Oh yeah, totally. Um, I mean, the, the only way I would not recommend this movie is just if you don't like superhero movies, which I mean, fair, not everybody does. If you don't like superhero movies, you won't like this one. That's not going to convert you. Um, but I think otherwise, I think, this is a very enjoyable movie. Yeah. Yeah. I got to agree with that. Well, Aaron, thank you again for joining me and please tell everyone what you're working on for the site or where they can find your work. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, right now I'm not, like I said, I'm always planning our, our next podcasts. Uh, uh, I don't think we'll have quite as much to talk about for our, our next podcast, maybe our next movie podcast. I don't know. We're, we're starting to get into like the uh, slow period. So I expect them to be the podcast to be a lot shorter than this one was. Uh, I'm, I, uh, I don't have anything else planned. I, I just, uh, I'm on Twitter at Aaron Sarnacki. I usually just talk about movies that I saw. Um, I watched the kill bill volume one and two recently and especially volume one is probably the most violent thing I've ever seen (laughs) as somebody, even as somebody, you know, who doesn't watch horror movies, which it's not, but like probably more gory than even the unrated versions of most of the saw movies. So, uh, if you don't like violent movies, definitely don't watch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I will probably have to skip that one then. Yeah. But, awesome. Okay. Thank you, Aaron. And yeah, uh, it's it's a mystery to me what we're going to be podcasting about next month. So I'm I'm looking forward to finding that out as as well as our listeners are. Um, and if if any of you all listening also want to find me, uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Josh Cernecki, um, though I rarely tweet. And you can also find my work on thepopbreak.com. Um, I have a monthly column called The Couch Potato where I talk about something from uh, TV that's on my mind, just kind of a, an op-ed I run. Uh, I have been pretty awful about doing that consistently recently, uh, partially because I'm moving this month. So 
Uh, I have not had the the mentor mental wherewithal to do that. So I'm hoping that come August, I'll be a little bit more focused and able to do that. So keep an eye for that. Um, also, you can find me on the TV Break podcast with our uh, previously mentioned podcast editor, Alex, as well as our editor-in-chief, Bill, um, where every month we talk about the news um, and our favorite shows going on on TV in the moment. Um, so please make sure to check that out. Um, you can find that on the Pop Break TV um, podcast feed. And you're listening to this on the Breakcast, where you can also hear a ton of other awesome stuff from our um, friends here at the Pop Break. So highly encourage you to check those out as well if you enjoyed this podcast. So I think that about does it. So Aaron, one last time, thank you very much. Yep. And until next time, everyone, remember, he's the star-spangled man with a plan. <laughs>